There's nothing like seeing a big, burly guy like Don over there doing all that stuff too with the kids. So you know he loves those kids and he loves what he's doing. But today we're in part two of our series, You Make Me Crazy. And uh, today we're going to look at who's pushing your buttons. Who's pushing your buttons? One of the amazing things about the uh, crazy makers in our life is that how quickly they can flip you from being happy to angry. Uh, you know what I mean. I mean, you know, kids are dancing, uh, sun's shining, 70 degree day, birds are chirping, and they walk in the room and 1.2 seconds, they've got you upset. They flip you so fast because they know how to push your buttons. So you've got to learn how to deal with these crazy makers. But uh, let me give you some facts about anger. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man, six times a week. Thank God that he gives us a day of rest, right? <laughs> women get angry more often than, or women get angry more often at people, and men get more angry at things like computers and machines. And women are more verbal with their anger, and men are more physical with their anger. And single adults express their anger twice as often as married couples. And the place you're most likely to express your anger is at home. And, but I want you to know that anger is not always an inappropriate response. Uncontrolled anger is always wrong. You can do wrong things with your, angry, with your anger, but anger is not always wrong. In fact, the only reason you're able to get angry is because that you were made in God's image. In the, in the Bible, 375 times it says that God got angry. And there are some things that are definitely wrong, definitely sinful, and we ought to be angry about those things. There's a righteous anger, and there's an unrighteous anger. There's a right way and a wrong way to be angry. Ephesians 4.26 says, when you get angry, do not sin. Now, this verse implies that there is a way to get angry and not sin. Which um, selfish anger is sinful, uncontrolled anger is, is, is sinful, but the Bible says that um, anger's, anger sometimes is an appropriate response. But most of the time in our life, anger is harmful. Proverbs 20, 25, 28 says, If you cannot control your anger... You are as helpless as a city without walls open to attack. You are defenseless if you cannot control your anger. You know, people will manipulate your life because when you say, you make me so mad, you are admitting that those people are controlling your life. You are admitting that they are strong and you are weak. When you say, you make me so mad, you are saying that they are controlling your emotions, you are defenseless, without a wall, open to attack. 
Proverbs 12.16 says, A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. You know, it's wise to stay calm and just let it roll off your back. The good news is you can learn appropriate ways with dealing with your anger. And what I want to do uh, today is two things. First, I want you to understand the different ways that anger can show up. And I want to identify what the Bible says about those things. And then I want to share with you some biblical principles on how you diffuse the crazy makers in your life, how to disarm your button pushers. Uh, the Bible identifies four different ways that we tend to express anger in our life, and I want to take a look at these. And the first is the machine gun person. You know, the machine guns are the people that just, they just let you have it. They just, and they mow you down, right? They, uh, they cuss, they yell, they throw things, and sometimes they hit. These people are exploders. They're walking time bombs. You pull that hairpin trigger and they're going to explode all over you. These people are in the paper all the time. Alec Baldwin, Charlie, Charlie Sheen. You've seen these people in the paper. They're machine gun people. They just let her rip. They don't care about anybody. The biblical example of this anger would be Cain, the son of Adam and Eve. Cain committed the first murder out of anger. Genesis 4 5 says, Cain became furious and he scowled in anger. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Circle the word, the word attack there. This is the response of the machine gun person. They like to attack. And uh, then they immediately regret it. Uh, They regret the things that they've said and done. They're embarrassed and they're ashamed and they want to apologize. But you know what? The damage has already been done. And the second kind of anger that the Bible talks about is the mute. And the mute is the exact opposite of the machine gun person uh, the, the mutes, they don't blow up, they clam up. They don't get violent, they get silent. Uh, this is not an exploding anger, this is a kind of a, a crockpot anger that stews and simmers on a slow burn. The mutes swallow, swallow their anger, and here, here's the problem. Every time you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score. If you don't talk it out, you'll take it out on your body. Mutes get high blood pressure. Mutes get chronic pain. Mutes get headaches and ulcers. Uh, Anger affects their body. A good biblical example of a mute would be the prophet Jeremiah. He was ticked off uh, at his people for what was going on, but he held it in. Jeremiah 15 says, I stayed by myself and was filled with anger. Why do I keep on suffering? Why are my wounds incurable? Why won't they heal? Jeremiah, it's because you're holding it in. And when people say that burns me up, literally, it does. 
Your body wasn't meant to hold on to anger. It's like swallowing poison. It eats you from the inside out. So we have machine gun people who blow up. We have mutes that clam up. And the third kind of anger response is the martyr. You know, the martyr announces a pity party and then they invite their self to the party. Martyrs are passive. They tend to punish themselves. And when a crazy maker comes in their life, they don't think, man, this person's crazy. They begin to think, what's wrong with me? This must be my fault. And if you walk around saying, I should have, I must, I have to, I ought to, then you're probably a martyr because you're blaming yourself. And maybe you've got a crazy co-worker or a crazy uh, relative blowing up your life, but you blame yourself because you're the martyr. You know, the number one symptom of the martyr is depression. Depression is caused by many different things, but one of the primary causes of depression is frozen anger. And if you let anger freeze in your life, you're most likely to become depressed. And a biblical example is the older brother and the story of the prodigal son. Uh, Remember, the father has two sons, and the younger son says, Dad, I want all my inheritance. And he goes out and he blows his, in his inheritance on women and wine and karaoke. And uh, his father throws him a party. And the older brother goes, now wait a minute here. You know, I've been a good boy. I've done everything you've asked. I haven't, uh, I haven't blown my inheritance and you don't, you don't throw me a party. And in Luke 15, 28, the elder brother was so angry He would not go into the party. So his father went out and he pleaded with him to come in. You know, you got anybody like that in your family? You know, you have to plead with them. You have to coax with them. They have to be pampered. They make everybody else miserable. You know, if they're not happy, they don't want anybody else to be happy. They ruin all the family parties. They're martyrs. They're just as damaging as the machine gun person. The fourth kind of anger is the manipulator. You know, the motto of the manipulator is don't get mad, get even. A lot of books, movies, and TV shows are based on manipulators. Manipulators will never tell you to their face that they're angry with you. Uh, They're going to do it slyly, sarcastically, with indirect verbal jabs and comments. They do things to sabotage you and and you don't catch them doing it. They will never own up to the fact that they're seething with anger. They say something to you that's hurtful or mean and then they turn around and say, hey, what's wrong with you? Can't you take a joke? And it's really not a joke. Uh, Religious people can be really good at this one. They couch their anger in spiritual terms. Uh, They'll say something like, I was just so grieved in my spirit, which just really means I was really ticked off. You know, a biblical example of this would be the Pharisees, the religious leaders. In Luke 6, they were so ticked off at Jesus, they were furious and began to plot 
they began to plot with each other what they might do to Jesus. You know, all four of, the, four of these, the machine gun person, the, the martyr, the mute, the manipulator, um, none of these are helpful ways in reacting to other people. All of them inflict real damage on our relationships. So let's look at how you disarm the person who's pushing your buttons. Uh, the, the first thing we must do, number one, is we must calculate the cost of your anger. Uh, before you allow yourself to get mad back, calculate what you're, gonna, what you're going to lose through your anger. You're less likely to get angry uh, when somebody's pushing your buttons if you realize there's always a price tag for getting angry back. The Bible is very, very specific about uncontrolled anger. Uh, Proverbs 29.22, an angry person causes trouble, and a person with a quick temper sins a lot. Uh, another verse, anger causes mistakes. Uh, Proverbs 14.27, people with hot tempers do foolish things. So if I get angry, the Bible tells me I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to sin, I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to do foolish things. So do I want to get angry when somebody's pushing my button? No. The Bible warns me about this. It says it's foolish to do. I always lose when I lose my temper. You can lose respect. You can lose your family. And you can lose your job. You can lose your health when you lose your temper. You know, you may be a parent. You may be a little league coach. You may be a supervisor at work. And you may be uh, tempted to use anger to motivate people. But... You know, in the short term, that may, that may work. But in the long term, anger always produces more anger, more apathy, and more alienation. How many kids have been alienated by their parents because of anger? How many people have been alienated from a spouse because of anger? Anger destroys our relationships with one another. So when someone starts pushing your buttons before you retaliate and before uh, you get angry back, you need to stop and ask yourself, what's this going to cost me? Do I want to make mistakes? Do I want to sin more? Do I want to be foolish? Do I want to cause arguments? Hopefully the answer is no, I don't want to do those things. Proverbs 14.29 says, Those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper make mistakes. When somebody starts pushing my button, I must calculate the cost of anger. Number two, I look past their words to their pain. Proverbs 19.11 A man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory, to his credit, to overlook an offense. A man's wisdom gives him patience. If you're wise, you will be patient. 
You know, I've heard this many times. Hurt people hurt people. When somebody's hurting you, it's because they've been hurt. And they're still hurting. You know, unkind people are people who have never felt kindness. Unloving people are people who feel unloved. When somebody is rude, bitter, unkind, sarcastic, mean-spirited, they're shouting with their behavior, I do not feel loved. Secure, loved people, you don't see them acting that way. They're not rude. They're not judgmental. They're not unkind. The person who feels deeply loved and deeply secure is generous and gracious to other people. When somebody is mean and cranky, they are telling you as loud as possible, I'm in pain. What they need is not what they deserve. You have to decide, and I, am I going to overcome evil with good, or am I just going to retaliate on their level? When you get even with somebody, it puts you on their level. When you attack somebody, it puts you below them. But when you love them, it puts you above them. If you want to get even with people, you're no better than they are. To be better than that person, you have to overcome evil with good. You look past their words to their pain. Now, there's a myth that everybody's been sold by uh, modern psychology, that if, and if you believe this myth, you'll probably struggle with anger your whole life. The myth is that you have only a set amount of anger in your life. That you kind of like have this bucket of anger, and when that bucket gets full, that you need to, you need to pour out your anger. And uh, when the bucket is empty, you'll feel so much better. You will, get, you, will, you will have gotten rid of all your anger. But friends, uh, you don't have a, a bucket of anger in your life. You have a factory, of, uh, an anger factory in your life that can keep on producing and producing and producing anger. And when you get rid of anger, you just make more a- anger. In fact, the more anger you throw out, the more anger you produce. The factory goes, oh, we need more anger. So it produces more anger in your life. Study after study has shown that anger only creates more angry. Angry outbursts lead to you becoming more angry more often. Anger becomes a habitual pattern in your life. The third thing that we must do to diffuse those button pushers in our life, number three, we must think before reacting. When somebody starts to push your buttons to irritate you, the key is to think before you react, uh, to, before you speak. Anger control is largely, largely uh, uh, a matter of mouth control. You don't respond impulsively. Sensible people always think before they act. Proverbs 13, 16. Uh, scriptures say a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. In he- Hebrew, it literally means he cools it. He chills out. He lets his anger cool. So let me give you three questions to ask yourself while you're chilling out. 
Number one, why am I angry? What is the underlying reason for my anger? Number two, uh, what do I really want in this relationship? And then number three, how can I get what I want? Because when you ask, how can I get what I want, blowing up is rarely the best answer to getting what you want. If you, refl- if you reflect before reacting, then you can identify the root cause of your anger. Anger is always caused by one of, th- of three things. And the first one is that it is caused, anger is caused by hurt. When somebody's pushing your buttons and they're angry, it may be that they're hurt. Because when you get hurt, you get angry. And when you're wounded, either emotionally or physically, you tend to get angry. And when crazy makers enter your life, it's easier to be sympathetic when you see them as somebody that is hurt instead of seeing them as somebody that is angry. The second cause of anger is frustration. Uh, When you can't control the situation, it makes you angry. You know, if you're high on the control scale, uh, the more prone you are to be angry uh, because most of life is out of your control. If you're a low-control person, you don't get angry that often. You've got other problems, and that's why we have a nine-week series here. But if you're a high-control person, anger is a problem for you because the more control you want, the more uh, control you don't have. And that that frustrates you. High control equals high anger. And the third cause of anger is fear. When we're afraid, when we're threatened, when we're attacked, we fight back. Uh, You know, you force any animal in a corner, whether it's tame or wild, it's going to fight back. And that is why uh, delay is a great cure for anger. It allows you to reflect before reacting. And you just say, am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Am I afraid? The longer you hold in your anger, the better it gets. Thomas Jefferson said, when you're angry, count to ten. If you're really angry, count to a hundred. And I think if Jefferson were alive today, he would say, don't immediately text back. You know, don't immediately respond to that email. He would say, count to ten, or better yet, uh, you know, create a draft, sleep on it, and... uh, Maybe send it the next day. The more you understand the cause of anger, the more understanding you will be. And the problem is is that anger is contagious. Uh, You can catch it from others. Have you ever noticed that the louder you get, the louder everybody else gets? And the louder they get, the louder you tend to get. Anger is contagious. That's why Proverbs 15.1 says a gentle answer quiets anger, but a harsh one stirs it up. And just by talking quieter, you ratchet down the anger, yours and others. When you talk quiet, you are less angry and so are the people around you. Responding with equal force only escalates the situation. It doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. Proverbs 17.27 says, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding 
is even-tempered. The fewer words you use, the better. You know, I have noticed that uh, I cannot put my foot in my mouth if my mouth is shut. Amen? Yeah. When a crazy maker starts pushing your button number four, you need to ask God for help. Psalms 141.3 says, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me to be careful what I say. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what's going to come out of it? Toothpaste. You know, if you squeeze your heart, what comes out of it? Whatever's in your heart. You know, so um, if I'm struggling with lashing out at people that I love the most, I can't blame them. I can't blame the circumstances because uh, the real issue is it's the it's because it's the heart the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart pressure always reveals what's inside of you we hear things coming out of our mouth and we say things like i don't know where that came from and the truth is is it came from your heart you know the key to change your heart is change what's inside if you've got a well that has bad water Fixing the pump is not going to help what's inside the well. That's the problem with a lot of self-help books. They only tell you how to fix the pump. But the Bible, God's Word, tells us how to fix your heart. And I have found that when I'm filled with myself, those are the times that I'm most likely to get angry. But if I'm filled with God's Spirit, almost nothing will upset me. The Bible says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit of God when I'm filled with it, gives me self-control. How do you get filled with God's Spirit? Well, you don't make it complicated. It just means that you, rely, you rely and depend on God more than yourself. And you just say a very simple prayer. God, help me to deal with this anger. Help me to deal and control my tongue. The most important key dealing with your anger in your life and with the crazy makers who push your buttons. This last one is probably the most important of all, number five. I must base my identity in Jesus Christ. I must base my identity in Jesus. I must understand that He loves me unconditionally. That He values me. That I am His that He loves me unconditionally, and that He has a, a purpose and a plan for my life. You know, if you try to build your identity on anything else, your job, your spouse, your kids, your money, your talent, you'll struggle. Because all of those things can be taken away from you. But if you build your identity 
on anything else that can be taken away from you, you're going to become insecure, hurt, frustrated, afraid, and angry. And people are going to be able to push your button. But when you know who you are and whose you are, people can't push your button. They can't get to you. But if I don't base my identity in Jesus Christ, the crazy makers are going to be able to push my buttons because I care too much about their approval, approval or disapproval. Proverbs 29:25 says, The fear of human opinion disables you. You know, if you are worried about what other people think, then you have an emotional disability. If you're always worried about who accepts you, who approves and who disapproves, says the fear of human opinion disables you, but trusting in God protects you from that. I need to start letting God be the center of my identity. Matthew 5:20 or Matthew 5:48 says, "Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others, the way God lives towards you." You know, our God is not an angry God. And God wants us to live His character out. You are living out your God-given identity. You will be generous and you will be gracious to others. And no matter how much they push your buttons, you're not going to push back because you're living out your God-given identity. They don't determine who you are God determines who you are. Did you know that one of the most practical, simple, logical ways to identify with Jesus Christ is baptism? By being baptized. And I'm not talking about being baptized as a kid, because uh, it's probably an event that you don't remember. Jesus was dedicated at the temple as a baby, but at 30 years of age as an adult, he made an adult profession of faith by being immersed by John the Baptist. He was baptized and he said to his followers, I want you to do the same thing. He modeled it to the believers. So have you been baptized in an adult to say, this is my identity with Christ? That's what baptism is all about. And the Bible says this in Romans 6, 4, if we identify with Jesus in his death, By being baptized, we will be identified with Him in His resurrection and raised to life. You know, if you have not been baptized, this is a a crucial part of your identity. You may have been a Christian for many, many years, and you've never taken this step of identification. And I want to encourage you to decide right now to be baptized. Identify yourself with Jesus Christ. You know, next weekend in all four of our services, we're going to be baptizing people. And we want to help you take that next step. We love you. We want you to identify yourself with Christ and profess your identity to the church family. And, uh, you know, if you're interested in doing that uh, on the communication card, you can fill it out and mark which service you want to be baptized in and Pastor Will will contact you. And I want to encourage you to do that. And if you're nervous about it, contact Pastor Will. He'll, he'll help you. He'll walk on you. He'll walk you through it and he'll love on you. I promise. We, we can help you out. 
Um, but today you might say, um, I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of having people push my buttons. The three things that cause anger, Jesus can heal. Hurt, frustration, and fear. You know, Jesus can heal your hurting heart with His love. Jesus can replace your frustrated heart with His peace. And Jesus can replace your insecure heart with His power. Let's pray together. Father, it's sad but true. We often get angry with the people we love the most that we are closest to. And Father, we ask that you would forgive us of that. Jesus, help us to remember that when we expect anybody else to meet our needs that only you can meet, that we're just going to be disappointed. You are uh, the source of all of our needs. And Father, I am certain that there are many people here today who are struggling with anger in one form or another. They're machine guns, mutes, martyrs, or manipulators. And they're angry because of hurt, frustration, or fear. And Jesus, uh, we confess that you are the answer to all three of these things. Father, help us to experience the hope and healing that you offer us. And if you're here today and you're really struggling with this anger issue, I just ask that you just pray along with me. Just say, dear God, I admit I have a problem with my anger. I, I let other people push my buttons. I, I get even. I retaliate. I fight back. I don't think before speaking. Father God, I'm asking for your help. Help me to reflect before reacting. Father, help me to release my anger appropriately. Help me to find my identity completely in you. And if you're here and you've never been baptized um, and uh, you're nervous about this next step or you want to know more, just, just pray and just ask God to help you. Help you take this next step. Say, Jesus, I want to be baptized. I want to identify myself with you. And, and I want to open my life completely to you. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Change me. Jesus, make the changes that only you can make. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.